0: This is the unfiltered truth about entrepreneurship, raw, no BS, no sugarcoating. Welcome to Entrepreneur Intel. I'm your host, Wes Matthews. Each episode, we'll learn from experienced founders and uncover the top 5% learnings that led to their success in all things personal, family, and business. This show is sponsored by Stealth Consulting, delivering clear marketing strategies, ROI, and no surprises. Today's guest, I am really excited today. This is a founder whose brain I'm super eager to pick, a talented entrepreneur who, oh. who has founded and grown multiple businesses. First one's YPO qualified. We got to talk about that. And uh, mm. that's over 100 million in revenue in several EO qualified businesses, which are over a million in revenue. Uh, he's someone who helps business owners do more. TEDx speaker, host of the Profit Tool Belt podcast and owner of the Profit Tool Belt Dominic Rubino welcome.
1: Hey Wes how are you? I'm doing great how are you? I'm good I'm glad to be on your show you were on mine and you tore it up there you gave gave a great interview I hope I can return the favor.
0: Yeah well I appreciate I appreciate the time love your love your background um but I gotta start first with the question I ask everybody uh Mm -hmm. here at Entrepreneur Intel we're all about sharing knowledge that we picked up along the way I just gave a nice meaty intro about you so excited to dive in and tear that apart a little bit but I love to hear how you started the journey, but what's the one thing that made you become an entrepreneur as opposed to like the traditional nine to five?
1: Yeah, I, I probably like a lot of people, it wasn't one thing. It was a combination of things, but for me, it started yeah. way back in high school. And, uh, the first thing I remember is we had to do this fundraiser for school and I got given, everybody got given a bunch of boxes of all sorts, of licorice, you know, those like multicolored, layered licorice things. Yeah. And yeah, the teacher's yeah. like, go sell these. we got to raise money for the school. So I'm like, okay. So I just went and knocked on doors and I sold everything. And I came back the next day, and or not the next day, when we had to tell the teacher. And she's like, okay, who sold theirs? I'm like, I did. And everybody else was like, Yeah, I didn't want to do it. Or one kid's mom ate all of his. <laughs> um But I didn't I didn't know up until then that I like I don't even care. I'll walk up to a door and knock on it and just start talking to people. So that's really it was one of the places that it started for me. I realized, hey, I can I can go make things happen on my own, and I also at the same time got really frustrated by hearing people say, "Oh, nothing will work. I can't make this work for me." I'm like, I'm going to do it on my own. So I yeah. just always had that little switch in my head.
0: So, was sales your thing, or operations, or yeah, sales, of all of it, or sales?
1: Yeah, sales, which is scary because when you go, you know, through high school and college, saying I'm going to be in sales, other people sort of,
0: yeah, everybody's like, "Yeah, great." No, everybody's job.
1: like, "Oh, I want to be a pharmacist or an engineer or a nurse. Yeah. What a are you doing? Job. Being Get insane. a real job. Get yeah, get a real job. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you push against that though. Like, did you go to school through that? So you went to school. <laughs> you ready for a big? You ready? Don't yeah. sip
1: your coffee. Okay, you drink your water. I'll okay, I'll wait till you swallow before I tell you. I'm good. I did go to college. I'm a forensic anthropologist.
0: What does that mean? Yeah, right.
1: Nothing. <laughs> Doesn't. So I, uh, you know, you follow, you you go where the breadcrumbs take you, right? Yeah. So I started to get really good marks in archaeology. And so I kept taking archaeology courses, which is an arts degree. And then eventually, you know, by the time you get to fourth year, I'm a forensic anthropologist. So recently deceased human skeletal remains was my specialty.
0: Wow. What What led you down that path?
1: I just kept getting good marks. I really found it interesting. Um, I like archaeology because I love hunting and fishing. And so archaeology, obviously, in large part, is a study of ancient civilizations. You can go any direction you want. But um, I really enjoyed that. And then it just led off into, you know, other stuff.
0: So you go from forensic archaeology to a YPO qualifying business. Yeah. Which is unreal. So talk a little bit about that. So YPO is like, so from an entrepreneurial perspective, YPO is right. kind of, from my perspective, one of the larger, one of the largest organizations out there in terms of revenue for entrepreneurs, yeah, you EO, be doing, right? EO yeah. we qualify to a million dollars, but YPO is huge, right? You mentioned Yeah, like you're going to be doing a hundred, hundred million dollars. What, what type of business yeah. was that?
1: It was a mail order pharmacy, mail order pharmacy. And so we sold Medicaid, I'm in Canada. We sold mail order medications from Canada to the United States. And really, it came about because I had I'd left the corporate world and went into selling used stuff on eBay. Crazy, like used calculators and LED games. I don't know if you are old enough, West, but do you remember like ColecoVision head-to-head football, oh yeah, oh yeah. the LED lights, oh yeah, dee 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 dee, all that stuff. So those they were a big collector item, but you'd buy them at a garage sale or flea market or something for a buck, but I could sell them for forty bucks U.S. The conversion rate at the time was kind of as it is today, 1.3, 1.4. so it was big money but really hard to inventory and store and forecast sales. And so, um, I eventually morphed that business into selling used books, which is a story on its own. And then the books led itself to some food products. The food products led itself to over the counter medications over the counter, led itself to pharmacy and that's where it took off. And I built that to 120 million in sales Wow! and then what, I sold it.
0: What year did you start that adventure?
1: Oh, way back. So I started. So this actually all started because of business coaching, which started in 2000. So I probably started this in 2001. The pharmacy probably started in 2004 or five, and then I sold it a couple of four years later.
0: So forensic archaeology to f- online <laughs> pharmacy. In when Canada. you say
1: it back to me, it doesn't make any sense. You're like, <laughs> that's what? why that's I keep weird. saying it.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. To pharmacy in yeah. Canada. Right. I'm not a pharmacist, by the way. I'm a businessman. So you're a drug dealer in Canada. Drug dealer, yeah. So you've got online sales of pharmaceutical drugs. Like, what? What led you down that path? I mean, did you have? Is it? Was it all kinds of drugs? Is it, you know, people just go to the pharmacy and you fulfill all so, that, but it's just no. Online? That's
1: yeah. That's actually that's actually a, a brilliant question because most people wouldn't ask that. So what led me to that, and and what kind of specialty inside pharmaceuticals? So you know, the easy one is, uh, especially at the time, is everybody thought, oh, you sell Viagra. Now, Viagra was really problematic for us. So, what I what I wanted to do was re- create a business that we would have recurring revenues. Uh, that was all. That's always been a driver for me is recurring revenues. And so, we focused on maintenance medications. So, for instance, if you have high cholesterol, you got high cholesterol. If just say somebody's in menopause, they're in menopause. There are multiple products and services we can provide to somebody who's got a chronic, ongoing condition. And the second thing we did is we viewed a prescription as a pre-purchase order. We knew that there were three refills, you know, one fill and two refills. So we automatically, as long as we took care of that customer, we'd get those refills as well.
0: So uh, what year did you sell that? You mentioned you sold that business. What year did you sell that business?
1: Um, I almost have to go back and look on LinkedIn to see that. It was it was <laughs> probably, uh, I'm not kidding, you know, pro- probably somewhere around 2006 and seven.
0: Okay, so you ran it for about seven years.
1: No, I ran it for four years. Four years. Four years. So 2000, let's say I started, the pharmacy started sometime around 2000, 2001, so 2005 or six. So math. And then as you know, Wes, selling it and completing the documentation when you sell a company are two completely different things. Like the day you walk out the door and the day the papers are signed are never the same day.
0: So did you buy this existing business or did you grow this from zero in four years to 120 million? From
1: Excel spreadsheet to 120 million in
0: four years. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Could you do it again yeah. right now? Could I or would I? Could you? Like in the pharmacy world or is that no, shit?
1: No, I think that ship has sailed in that world. I mean, there's some opportunity still in optical. The problem is the supply because you're not really able to get that level of supply from the main pharmaceutical supply houses to be able to do that kind of volume. Now, we were in Canada and we were selling tons of volume, but we were buying it through pharmacies after the pharmacies had already bought it. We weren't direct buyers of it even though we were registered pharmacy, you have a quota for how much it can, everything's on a quota. Okay. You can only have so much of something, right?
0: You had no background, like no, you know, you, you went to school, forensic anthropology, you just oh, have an entrepreneurial man. brain yeah. Yeah. and you're like, Hey, I'm going into pharmacy. So did you have to I'm hire doctors, physicians, pharmacists? Yeah. You
1: have to, yeah. In order to be, uh, in order to sell, in order to have a pharmacy, you have to have a pharmacist on the board. So we brought a pharmacist on the board, but the pharmacist on the board was just a, pharmacists on the board. They really didn't have any operational knowledge. Now, the pharmacists thought they were a business person, but they were not a business person at all. The Pharmaceutical Oversight Committee, they were a special breed as well because they'd never seen an animal like us. Like we had a man—we had a facility, think of a warehouse with a big U-shaped um, conveyor belt, and pharmacists were taking the orders and filling the orders. Pharmacy assistants were helping them, and it was just going from one side of the warehouse to the other. So when they walked in, they'd never seen anything like that. The minimum square footage for our pharmacy i think was 600 or 800 square feet had to have a raised diaz and a sink and we didn't have any of those we had a sink but it was the bathroom we didn't have a raised diaz they were freaking out so i had to create my own form to walk them through and say this is a legitimate pharmacy
0: so i'm no mathematician but you're i'm not interviewing you on a beach right now which means you have a sick disease, which is called entrepreneur, like pure entrepreneurship,
1: sick, chronic disease. Yeah.
0: So like you grew a company phenomenal within a very short time frame. I mean, that is an incredible accomplishment, but now you're hosting, coaching, consulting. Talk a little bit about the transition from selling. I mean that from, from zero to four years yeah. to then exit a company back in 2006, 2007. Can you talk a little bit about like number one, why'd you sell it? Why don't you go to a billion, mm. right? There's the question always people like, why don't you just go 10X? You're wearing a 10X shirt. Why did not you just go 10X from there? Yeah. Like what led you to actually put a for sale sign and, and do a deal?
1: So you got some really good questions here, Wes. So it was a family business. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, a whole bunch of people are nodding like you just did right there. So uh, my cousin and I started that business. He's still my cousin, but we're no longer business partners. <laughs> Probably the best for my life if we don't talk any more than that. Got it. I can tell you this though, money's a magnifier. If you're a dick with no money, you're a bigger dick without money or okay. with more money. Right? Got it. So a dick is gonna be a dick. You just when you suddenly have money, you think that you rule the world. And that's not necessarily
0: the case. So do you think that the non the non entrepreneurial is more of a dick? I feel like entrepreneurs are pretty humble. They're pretty, you know, easygoing. If you to me, if you line up 20 in a room for the most part, Everybody's pretty humble, pretty you know, pretty approachable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it varies. Like a lot of things, it varies. You know, I find that when you deal with people who are really high level martial arts, whatever their martial arts specialty is, they're very chill because they're just like, "Bring it! What can you do to me?" Right. Very chill. Entrepreneurs are all over the map. Some are high strung. Some are more chill. Some are mellow. Some smoke weed every night, and some don't. You know, it's all—they're all over the map. But um, I think I've come to realize that I know how to start and build businesses. And that that's a ballsy sentence. But it's just what I know how to do and it's what you know I'm, how to I'm do. I'm st- still trying to get better. I'm not great at it, but I'm pretty good and I'm going to keep working at it.
0: Yeah, 4 years to grow a company from Excel spreadsheet to 120 million over is pretty you <laughs> know it's crazy. Pretty yeah. decent. Um Yeah. So, did you take a break? Like did you sell the company and like have this aha so like you're going to play golf and surf and do all these things for I thought a I was years? going
1: to and then I got bored and so I bought another company.
0: How long after?
1: Well, uh, it took a while because buying a business is hard. There's a lot of junk for sale. Yeah, and so I ended up buying a company, kind of uh, through somebody I knew. I ended up becoming partners with them. I have to say though, back in 2000, what changed for me is I left corporate and I became. I actually bought a business coaching franchise, and so that's where I started to learn the systems for business reinvention. So there's lots of different kinds of business coaches out there, and. By the way, when I started business coaching, the two words didn't go together. Like it'd be co- like looking at something on your desk and calling it an apple wrench. It's like, what the yeah. heck is that? So business coach was not even a word when I started, but I did learn the systems for business reinvention. So my specialty is as uh, repairing the plane while it's flying. That's the kind of business coaching I do. And so yeah. I started, I took that and I applied it to this business that went from Excel spreadsheet to 120 and. All I did was the simple stuff. I'm very, like, one thing I'm good at is keeping it simple. I don't like complexity at all. What so, helped you with sold that? Sold that so, I think, yeah.
0: so I think as an entrepreneur, like, that, that's a great point. Keep like, keep it simple. Go back to basics. What it's helped simple. you get there, right? I mean, coming from your your college degree to, like, your entrepreneurial hat, did you read a lot of books? Did you have any mentors? Yeah. Did you have any friends who yeah. were entrepreneurs? Or what yeah. made you say, like, let's keep it simple. Like, don't overcomplicate things. Early on, I'm, first, I'm not a very complicated guy. I don't, I don't like people that use big
1: words. You know, I was in uh, when I was in corporate, which I call I was selling telecommunications. I was selling telecom for Sprint, and man, there's some big words and phrases in there. And I found that I did a much better job when I was selling telecom services as if I just translated everything into normal person language. So we'd walk into a co-location facility, banks of servers and rows upon rows of servers. And I'd be taking some CEO like yourself through there who needed that critical infrastructure. And we'd have the systems engineer next to me and and he would just be going nuts because I would say to the, to the West Matthews, you see those green lights? You see those red lights? And you'd go, yeah. I go, well, our job is to keep the green lights green. And that little, little red light just flashes as a test, but it never needs to go on. That's what we're really good at. And the SE next to me is losing his mind. He's like, that's not the explanation. I'm like, shut up. That's what he needs to hear. And that's what we do. He doesn't care about all the other things. So simplicity in sales, to me, just comes down to just get to the bare essence of something. Like, And that's hard. It takes discipline. I find it very hard to do, but I struggle to do it all the time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I heard something yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Jeff Bezos talked about why he came up with Amazon. And what I caught was, he's like, really, Amazon was kind of easy. And I was sitting there listening, like, "What? How was it easy?" Like, but the reality was, he's like UPS, FedEx, and all that infrastructure was created already, and yeah. so was the internet. All I did was create something that utilized those infrastructures. And he was talking about how you know his footprint to the world is he wants to do that for the future. But why I thought of that and why that came out of my mouth is he was saying something like back in 2000, business coaching. Like, did you have to, you had to educate people on, that was even a thing, right? Yeah, it it wasn't even a thing. Which is really hard. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that journey. So you're talking 2000, I mean, I had just graduated high school It's a turn of the century, yeah. A long time ago, but things were different, right? Internet was there, but not really a thing phones yeah. were just coming out. Like, I don't think the iPhone came out till 08, oh, Yeah, no, it was a while before that yeah, came so You probably out. had a big old, you know, big old phone, fo- you Flip know, phone, phone. and yeah. a couple thousand a month. Like, how, how do you go out and start educating people now on this business coaching? Well, the, the
1: value proposition was different. You know, you couldn't necessarily go in and talk about the same thing because people didn't know what a business coach was. So quite often, at least for me, I went out, we talked about increasing marketing or increasing sales, like getting more and better customers, still the same outcomes, but they didn't know that it was called a business coach that would deliver that. And at the time I actually specialized a lot in dentists and chiropractors, even okay, though I so, love so you,
0: you niche, down? I did niche,
1: I did, okay. I tried to niche as much as I could. Um, but it, you know, again, niching was, I found it much more difficult at the time because the distribution of my marketing was, you know, you're, you're just trying to hit a local market now, as you know, one of my, ca- one of my podcasts is called cabinet maker profit system like come on man that's pretty that's pretty niche I always make the joke it's not as niche as left-handed vegan cabinet maker (laughs) profit system but it's pretty niche right but at the time I'm working out of a city you know and I can only drive so far to meet people face to face because there was no zoom what was the other there was no Skype at the time and so you've got this natural market that I could serve nobody's going to do telephone coaching that was already hard enough to do it face to face so Really, you're talking about a direct mail strategy, something I could do inside a couple of zip codes. So it's much harder to niche back then.
0: So thinking back, I mean, has that industry completely flipped upside down from what you can Coaching? remember? Yeah. Just on how you approached it. It has not it
1: hasn't. I mean, now the podcast really helped me a ton, you know, uh, but you can still do the same thing, pick any town and you could niche down and decide to just work with dentists or chiropractors or insurance agents, whatever you want. But I, I love contracting. It's my it's my kitchen. It's the kitchen table I grew up at. It's all my uncles. It's my family. It's, I you know why I, I like contractors because they'll call me on my BS and I get to call them on theirs. Yeah. And it doesn't stop the conversation. They're just like, yeah, you're full of it. That's not going to work. Okay. And then two seconds later, nah, that's not going to work. They're like, okay. And then we just keep going.
0: I think what's nice too. I love contractors as well, and I I don't like to wear a suit. And I feel like if you wear a suit around a contractor, like it. That's just not good. So you go from forensic. I, I can't even think of the second word. No. Forensic
1: anthropology. Yeah.
0: Forensic Anthropology to pharmaceutical sales. And now you're in the the business coaching world. Right but now you have a flavor towards contractors.
1: Yeah. So after I sold the pharmacy, I was looking for another business to buy. And then I ended up buying actually the um, a business coaching franchise. So I had the global rights. To a business coaching concept uh and our partner was a guy named brian tracy who's a really well-known author especially from the 80s and 90s he's written a ton of books most of us have read
0: amazing amazing author
1: yeah and he's a great man as well he's the same off stage as he is on stage but i could tell you off stage he's spicy like you miss a number and we're going to talk about it nice. not for an hour for a day <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah And I've missed many numbers with Brian and we talked a lot about it. (laughs) You take a beating, but he's a great guy, you know, a very wise, wonderful guy. So he was our brand partner. I had an operating partner. Uh, Anyways, I bought that business. It had six locations. And by the time I sold it, we had 237 around the globe. 237 franchise units.
0: And you started that in what year?
1: I got to go look at LinkedIn, man. Right? Sometime around 2006. If I, if I'm lying, if anybody's checking LinkedIn, I'm, I'm saying it first. I gotta go check my LinkedIn background. I don't pay too much attention. I'm very. Well, how many? How many years?
0: How many years did that run? Oh, I was running it for. I was there for 13. It's still running. So you went from six locations to 230 some locations and six.
1: Yeah, 237.
0: And you sold you sold that business, but it's still running yep. today, or? Oh
1: yeah, it's still running today. Yeah, a lot of great people there.
0: So I see a yeah. trend.
1: I keep selling my businesses, or yeah. I keep growing my businesses.
0: You just like getting into new things. I do. Well, yeah. Yeah, like so so that's I have to ask that question because you get the pharmacy to a point, I mean that's buku bucks, right? I mean there's a lot mm. of entrepreneurs that they just want to qualify for EO, get to a million.
1: And they're scared. I'm gonna call it right now. People yeah. get to a certain point and they're scared. They don't think they can go do it again. For some reason, I'm there switching my head, I'll just go do it again. It's a lot of work, but I just I'm I know that I can go do it again. If the so business I'm bored? in right now melts away, I'll just go do yeah. it again.
0: So what so with the franchise for the the business coaching did you just get bored or like what now prompts you again is it just the the close of the deal the sale the 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 revenue from that or is it just that you know you're kind of done and you have operators and you just get out of the way
1: yeah it got to the point where it was time to to part ways on that one got to that point and we were really more in a maintenance mode than a growth mode it was getting kind of boring uh we had differences of opinions on the vision got it were significant and uh and you know, I'm sat there and and I stuck with it for quite a while before I'm like, you know, I got to go. On top of that, I have to say I was traveling way too much for my family and it was starting to affect my kids. And uh, I don't need that. That's not why I'm here. How many kids do you have? Two. What are their ages? Yeah. Well, right now they're 18 and 15. They're both super jocks. They're very active in sports and there's a lot of travel involved in that, but that's different. Traveling with your kids for their sports is different than traveling for business, where I'm gone Monday to Thursday,
0: yeah, x weeks a month. And while you're doing all this, they're they're really young, right? I mean, they're young. Yeah, I
1: missed a whole bunch of events that most people really hold dear near and dear to their heart, like first steps, first swim lessons, first this, first that. Wasn't there? Getting home late for birthdays, I didn't. Yeah. I never wanted to be that dad, and I was that dad, and I just didn't like it anymore.
0: So what's the reflection now, like being 18, 15? I'm fascinated. So if, to me, an entrepreneur, you know, personal family business, they're all tied together. People yeah. that say, oh, how do you balance? I'm like, they all bleed together to me. I have five kids yeah. ranging from 15 to fifteen to one. So that's a super important question to me because I think entrepreneurs, they all have a different perspective. Or I have some entrepreneurial friends that just like grind away. Badge of honor. I worked 150 hours this week. I have some that are yeah. like, I haven't gone to the office and shit, I forget where my office is. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I always love that question, or like, how do you, how do you balance that? And then there's always a good reflection point of, because I always think you can either you can always do better or worse with anything. Yeah, and when you in reflection, it's like, how do you, <clears throat> you know? I think it's
1: the. I mean, I I, I try to focus on the quality that w- that I have with the kids. So I'm um with when I'm with my kids and my wife, I'm present. I'm not working when I'm working. I'm working. You're working. I'm working, but when I'm not working, I'm not working, but when I'm working, I'm working. And everybody knows that it's taken a while for us to get that solved. But if, if, uh, if there's a day where I'm working from home and I'm in the office, nobody bugs me because they just know dad's working. But when I come out, then, you know, it's, uh, especially when they're little, it's jump on daddy time and absolutely bring it jump on daddy time. I love it. I live for that. Well, it's gone now. Cause 15 year old to kill me.
0: He crush you. Kill you. probably. <laughs> crush me what about like your do you leave your phone behind do you leave your phone in your office do you completely uh, no disconnect?
1: no but I, I i like i don't if i didn't have to use my cell phone ever again i'd be fine yeah because i come from an era before it you know i find myself using instagram too much even at 20 minutes a day 20 if i use the cell phone for like social media stuff 20 minutes three times a day i've just burned an hour yeah of unproductive time i just into the ether it went nowhere and I, I struggle with that. I got to get better at it. But.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's it's crazy. Do you, is, is social media good for your business? Do you use it as a tool mm, yeah. for your business at all? Or is it more yeah, that's, like scrolling pictures and stuff?
1: Dude, great questions. Yeah, no, that is that is actually a, a really difficult razor's edge because I need it for my business because base, I'm a content creator yep. for the construction and contracting space. We have to add lots of value to our I call them our customers. They're not even our customers at that point. We're just adding value to our audience. And then when they're ready, they'll ask us questions. And if they like, they can work with us. But I have to create quality content. So yeah, that's the struggle. Sometimes I gotta have the phone because that's you know, I'll shoot a video on there or do something. And I need to do more.
0: <laughs> so talk about what led you into the podcast now. I mean, we're doing a podcast now. I believe in the medium. I think yeah. they're great. But you yeah. you you niche specifically with home home service contractors. Correct me.
1: Contractors. Contractors, so there's, sorry. yeah, it splits between commercial and residential, and there okay. are some def, there's some differences from a business coach or an operating perspective on commercial versus residential, but if somebody's in a subtrade, so they're, they're not the builder, they're not the general contractor, but they're a sub trade, okay. then I, I work with them. So they might, um, they might be a home renovator on the residential side. They might be a home painter or a roofer or do driveway, you know, repairs or installations on the commercial side they can be almost all the same things but just yeah. commercial yeah
0: so with the podcast like why why go that route like why that megaphone for that type of crowd at first blush without thinking any I would be like is that are they listening how do they find it mm. you know go find them at a bar like yeah. I, I'm just curious what led you to the pod, to the podcast medium
1: I'm going to give you a business coach answer it's it, it comes down to my values So let me go back to why I sold the last company. Traveling too much. I'm sitting at the kitchen table one night. Yep. I said to my wife, some franchisees offered to buy the business. And we said no, because we weren't ready to sell. Came home that night and my wife, you know, we're sitting around the table having dinner. My wife says, hey, how was work? I'm like, oh, pretty good. Somebody offered to buy the business today. She's like, oh, no way. You're going to sell? I'm like, I don't think we're ready to sell. My wife is sitting to my right and my son is sitting next to her. And I just launched into a normal talk. So, Hey, listen, honey, I'm going to be going down to San Diego next week for, you know, the bigger, better, better, part of a week and a bit. And, uh, but I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave Monday after the kids go to bed and I'll come back Thursday after the kids go to bed. So I'm here for the weekend. No, will even know I'm gone. And my son just shrunk in his skin. He didn't say anything. He just deflated. Duh. And I thought, Rubino, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you actually doing? so I walked in the next day and I said, I'm selling. Wow. And so that now you go back to why the podcast, because I'm a great public speaker. As a business coach and as a trainer of business coaches, I've been on stage for a long time all around the world. I, there's better speakers than me. Don't get me wrong, but I'm pretty good speaking. So I thought, well, how can I, that's the entrepreneur question that we learned sure. from Michael Gerber, start your question with how can I, or what if? how can i use my public speaking skills to use a one-to-many approach to reach the audience i really want to reach but i don't want to travel so i'm okay to put as many limiters on the question as i as i can that's fine that'll cause me to be more creative and that's where i got the answer podcast so i started (laughs) two.
0: so what is the podcast done so i'm asking this for other entrepreneurs right there's Mm. so much out i mean if you go on the world wide web, if you will. And mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you start to think like, how do I attract clients for the problems I'm trying to solve in the world? Right. There's social. Me- I mean, look, I'm, I come from digital marketing. So everybody, yeah, I mean, you're the- me. it's like yeah. my wife's a nurse and like people be like, can you look at this rash? Or they're texting her pictures. I'm like, what the, <laughs> anyway, so like I'm in the, I'm a digital marketer. So people are like, Hey, how much should I invest in this? And how much should I invest in that? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like there's a lot of factors like it depends and I'm not trying to be vague, but just because it worked for, you know, John Smith plumbing over there doesn't mean it's going to work for you over, over there. Mm. So, you know, how, how are you able to, you know, use your medium? You said, you said something I love, the one to many. Yeah. I I love that because I think there's the one to one, right? When you're talking to somebody engaging and solving that one problem, but you're like, no, I'm the one to many. I'm using a stage. Yeah. how do you apply that to the home contractors
1: podcast but I, but i have to say i'll go back to one of your questions like how did i choose podcast versus yeah. something else yeah i don't matter and you don't matter the only people that matter in my business are my perfect customer and what matters to them and so you wes you could have uh, an exact same podcast no sorry You could approach exactly the same market as me in the office next to me and do only YouTube and you would have a business just as big and growing as mine. And then you might be able to do the same thing on Twitter. I've got a really good friend that does a ton of his stuff on Twitter and I'm like, how the hell do you do anything on Twitter? But he's on Twitter and he's got a great business. So all of these different channels, there's different consumers, there's different tradespeople who only follow Twitter or only follow YouTube. And I've got the guys that listen to podcasts. But that's a very, that's a very narrow funnel mouth.
0: What are they learning? Are you, are you talking like business strategy? Are you talking mm. basic fundamentals, getting them? Yeah. Like what's the, what's I the brought block? a different
1: voice to the contracting industry. Cause I'm just about, you know, well, you and I are both EO members, Yep. right? So I had an EO qualifying business, but I never joined EO because I didn't like the, the, the chapter just wasn't for me. I like the scrappy entrepreneur startup. So I joined EO and I've been an EO member for years and years. But in EO, we talk about the business of business. And that's what I talk about on the show. It's the business of the contracting business. If you want to stop, if if you're happy being a contractor running a few crews, that's fine. But if you want to be a contract a business person who happens to be a contractor, I'm your show. Because it's about the business of the contracting business. Totally different thing.
0: Do you feel most contractors sort of, they go work for a company, they're really good at what they do, they get sick of their boss and they're like, F it, I'm going to start my own company. Is that where a lot of the home contractors start or do they start with the business in mind and kind of build that way?
1: Yeah. There's there's one exception to that rule, which is the closet industry. A lot of business people get into the closet industry, whereas a lot of cabinet makers don't go into the you know cabinet makers are cabinet makers, but they don't go into closets. But otherwise, most of them are technicians. They came through the tools. They were a mason. They're an electrician. They're an HVAC guy. Then they got a truck, then or a van. They got a couple of vans. Now they run an HVAC company. Um, to a lesser extent, it's a family business. Although that's starting to happen more, multi generational businesses. So people come at it from a number of different ways, but usually as a technician who realize, hey, I'm good on the tools, but this business part, I, I need, I need. I don't want to say help because they don't need help. They need guidance. They need somebody beside them going, no, no, watch out. That's going to be a bump. Let's go over here. They're strong people, very um, internally driven. So the, the trade doesn't matter. People think, oh, it has to be one specific trade. No, I'm looking for people that are internally driven and just need to have that channeled and focused in one area.
0: So you've got the podcast going with the home contractors what What is the ultimate goal with that, right? You have a lot of listeners, one to many, yeah. and then what? What, what happens? Uh, Let well, me people, rephrase that. Yeah, so are you...
1: What's the business the, model? Yeah,
0: individuals, they get to a point where they're like, man, I really like what this guy's saying. I'm ready yeah. to take that next step. Like, what's yeah. that smoking gun on your podcast? Because that's your marketing. Yeah. That finally gets them over the line. Is it listening to you for so long, and then they're like man, this guy really knows. Yeah, what they just get
1: waterboarded, and they're like, I better just yeah. call this guy. Yeah. 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 Well, so the CTA or the, you know, the point of the podcast is to get clients. Yes. But the point of that is to help people. They really were just here to help people. So I'm growing my coaching practice. I've got um, my, my team is growing. We've got coaches who help me deliver coaching. We use a, a system specifically for contractors on how to turn things around. But I have to say it's in, it falls in themes, right? Like there's time and time management. There's people there's money and then there's growth strategy and exit strategy so those are basic themes and inside of those fit sales and marketing
0: so contractors are tough so are you ever hit with the objection like what if this doesn't work i'm going to pay mm. you a bunch of money and yeah like what's your biggest objections you get from home contractors after you engage with them i'm just curious
1: you know the big so some people will say what if this doesn't work But I think the bigger objection is, what if I can't make it work? So it's an internal objection like I've seen other people do it, but it's not me. You don't know my town. This part of Cincinnati is so small, it's not going to work. Or I'm in the deep south or I'm in Canada. It doesn't work. You can't get it out of your head. It, It you know, that's the the limiting belief that we have to overcome. This will work if you decide you want it to work. And, you know, obviously we've seen it work many times over.
0: So you're a, you're a crazy successful entrepreneur. Like, what are some things you do? Again, I like to go back to personal family business. How yeah. do you take time for yourself? Like, you have a family, you have two young kids. Well, yeah, oldish kids now. Yeah, I, but I know. They- like, what? How do you keep going? How do you recharge your batteries? You mentioned you're married. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love
1: fishing and hunting. Love it. Uh, in the so I, I like I like to lead a life of discipline as much as I can. So in the morning, I, I get up go to the gym uh I I go to a group class like a CrossFit gym okay and uh although as I get older I scale so much I modify so much man it's (laughs) it's not funny but I get uh, a lot of energy there I get energy from the chirping in the morning and then the re but the reason I go I go to 6 a.m. classes and if they had a 5 a.m. I'd go to that but the reason I do that is my family doesn't know I'm gone got it right because I can't if I go after work I'm taking from family it's the same reason I can't go to like massage therapist because I feel like I'm getting something recreational and taking from my (laughs) it's just a weird thing thing. so I go before anybody knows I'm even out of the house and then I try to be home right after work and then I'm daddy time
0: that's great I I love (laughs) how you think because I think the same way I mean you could probably buy a couple massage parlors and just have them come to your house and
1: yeah that means something different where I live by the way (laughs) massage (laughs) clinics you should probably yeah, I'm not in that business anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Um, you, so, I read something about TEDx. Yeah. How yeah. did you get on TEDx? I mean, I think that's one of those entrepreneurial things, right? Of like, how do you yeah. get on TEDx? What did you talk about? Was yeah. it worth the time? The value? How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, geez, I don't know where to start. I'll tell you what, it was the hardest work for 15 minutes I've done in my life. I prepped for a year to do a 15 minute speech and I would have been happier with three talking points and a five minute warning, but they wanted me, I had to be down to the work, to the breath. I had to be down to the breath, like just so focused. So I practiced for a year on that, but that was the transition between, um, selling, uh, and, and, and starting the other company, starting the the business. I needed to do something after I sold the, the, the franchise. And so, um, I thought, well, you know, this will consume some time. So I went and applied to to be a TED to do a TED talk. That that's kind of it.
0: I, I skipped around, but I want to go back to your hunting and, and fishing. Is it what kind of fishing do you do? Like is it fly fishing, regular fishing?
1: Well, yeah. I mean I like to do fly fishing, but I suck at it. Although, you know what, I, I organize a buddy trip every year. And so there's four of us, and each year we choose a different place to go. Last year we were in Venice, Louisiana, but um no, two years ago we were in Venice, Louisiana, but last year we went bone fishing in Molokai. That was
0: awesome. That now, was you great. Go with, you go with other fellow EO people, or
1: no? These are buddies. Hunters? They're all they're all other presidents and CEOs, but they're all they're just buddies. Nice. So I like I like all kinds of fishing, to be honest. And I like I, I say I like all kinds of hunting, but I don't do enough um, upland game bird or duck hunting. I just don't have like I don't have a dog, so it, it's kind of limiting. But I do a lot of big game hunting, Western style, big game hunting.
0: It's awesome. Sounds awesome. Um, yeah. So going forward. You have the podcast, and then is it a new style of coaching? Is it a continuation of the business coaching you were doing? Or if a painter engages with mm-hmm. you, they listen to your podcast, yeah. what happens? What happens from that point?
1: You know, I, I so the coaching model that we use is obviously an evolution over time, right? So the I, I love using strategic planning systems. When I built the pharmacy, we used Vern Harnish's model, which is, you know, Deeply embedded in EO, scaling Mastering up. the Rockefeller Habits. Yep. Yeah, now called Scaling Up. Yep. Um, so you've got that. That was the evolution. When I did it, it was called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Now, then he wrote Scaling Up. But by that point, I'd also switched to starting to learn more about EOS or the traction system. And so I'm not a, a, a you know, I don't follow in lockstep with EOS model, but the EOS model is part of the base of one of, of the tools we use for the strategic planning. And then on top of that are a whole bunch of contractor tools for pricing, for um uh profit margins for managing people there's all other sorts of tools we add in there it's so it's a blend of coaching and a little bit of directed consulting but mostly it's on the coaching side because sometimes you I'm not going to tell a guy hey if you were to build the perfect form for profit for estimating profitably, how would you build that right He's going to punch me in the face what yeah. I'd rather do is say here's a form it's a it's a worksheet tell me what you'd fix and a guy can work with that but I can't do some Lucy, open-ended question and hope he's going to get value.
0: I think it goes back to what you said a little bit earlier. Uh, You know, I I think for me, a big takeaway from, from your share, it's keeping it simple. Mm. I read scaling up and I'm like, this is great. But putting it next to EOS, I'm like, EOS is one plus one is two. Scaling up to me was a little bit more complicated. Seemed like from an organizational perspective, you would have to have maybe more infrastructure. Yeah. More infrastructure, you know, and a bigger a dom- com- it's a yeah. it's
1: a bigger company thing yeah. i think <clears throat> i have i would imagine you get to a point where eos doesn't work like at yeah. the at the upper end of eos you need some more detail but i love eos for its simplicity they're yeah. all the same concepts by the yeah. way neither of those two gentlemen and i hold them in very high regard yes. both of those guys um but they didn't they haven't reinvented anything neither have i we're just repurposing things we've seen in the past and making them better R and D, right all right rip off and redeploy <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with that being said, so you're talking about scaling up, traction, what helped you along the way with all this crazy, with this crazy growth? I mean, that's just massive growth. So you're di- you're the content king now, you said. You well, have to digest content. Yeah. Like, what are you reading? What do you do? Are you audiobooks? Are you reading?
1: Frequently? Yeah, I'm audiobooks.
0: Audiobooks and podcasts a lot. A lot. You know, I, don't,
1: I find it hard to read now because I'm yeah. used to audiobooks. Uh, no, not all all business books. You know, I, I listen to uh, Freakonomics podcast is one of my favorite. Um, there's a guy Terry O'Reilly that does um, uh, a couple of marketing podcasts. I like strategy. So you know, there's a book I've probably read more than almost any other book, which is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. There's a here. You want a crazy surprise? Yes. This book most people would blow past and never pay it any attention, and it is way. It's crazy. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. in old man. In the world. Yeah, it's written in like 1968. If you buy it at a used bookstore, it'll cost you 25 cents and you'll think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How much value is in that book?
1: It's incredible. It is incredible. And, you know, uh, I don't know when this is going to go live, but if anybody has a shred of faith, it doesn't matter what faith in your background, in your personal background, read that book and you'll get goosebumps. Awesome. Surprise, goosebumps. That's great. Surprise goosebumps, I will say that's a great mindset book, by the way. Totally 100% underrated.
0: So it's not just sales stuff. You know, people see that. No. And
1: and see, that's the problem with the title is somebody looks at it and goes, the greatest salesman in the world. So I'll challenge anybody that wants to read that book, change it and say the greatest business person in the world, change it and say the greatest solar panel distribution company in the world, change the word salesman to anything you want. The greatest nursing private nursing clinic in the world and you'll get every ounce of value you needed in the world out of that book.
0: Well, happy day for me. I just got my audible credit for the month and I now know what I'm <laughs> buying. It's
1: old school, man. It's, it's old, but it's, it doesn't take, just cause something's old doesn't mean the value diminishes. The E-myth revisited yeah. has stood the test of time. Kiyosaki's, um, uh, book The rich dad, poor dad stands the test of time. You don't need the newest book to get the best ideas.
0: So. A question I like to ask, like, what's holding your attention now, or like, what's the future, right? You got this coaching business, you got the podcast. We could probably go down a massive rabbit hole with AI, but what's what's sort of next for you, right? Or like, what's you know what's consuming <laughs> your, what's consuming your thoughts and your focus?
1: Uh, you're going to laugh. Simplifying my business. Okay. Yeah, because we're going through a massive growth phase right now. Okay. Um, I'm bringing on coaches. I need to bring on more coaches because the podcast is getting much more popular. I also need to be able to scale. The quality. So, uh, you know, I'm actively looking for coaches to bring onto the team, but I can't, it's not just everybody. It's not a cattle call. I have some very specific filters that our coaches have to go through for who they are before they show up and then the onboarding and then the training and then the support. Uh, And I did that for years at the franchise company, right? So I'll be doing that here. So we need to simplify the business and scale it.
0: Who's a great candidate? You know, somebody listening might be like, oh, I, I like that. Like what you know, what, what qualities are you know? I, a lot of my entrepreneurial friends, they've either sold a company. I think everybody at some point they mm. they, they want to consult. But I think for me as an entrepreneur, you have to have a framework or something behind you to be able to effectively yeah. consult. And from my perspective, a lot of entrepreneurs, their idea, their strategy, but they lack process and systems. Sounds yeah. like you have that built out. So, like, what's a great candidate for you that could be a good consultant?
1: Well, a great candidate for me would have some sort of coaching background, which and to me, coaching means that even if I know the answer, I've got enough ego to set it aside and ask the question instead, because getting the person on the other side to come to their own realization is real important, really important. That's coaching. So I'm not here to just tell people or it's not a stage to, you know, put your own ego out there. Got to really want to help people and let them learn, let them go through a bit of pain. On top of that, I'd love to have anybody who's a contractor who sold their contracting business Mm -hmm. or if they did franchise support
0: franchise for a home support.
1: services business. Yeah. There's like, there's a ton of great people that come out of college pro painters or the O2E brands. Um, and then, yeah. And a, a coaching background, if they got a coaching background, but aren't really nailing it with the marketing, then, you know, you'd find a good place on my team. Cause I'm going to hand you clients, but you've, you're going to have to pr- provide quality.
0: Oh, that's great. I, uh, yeah, we've already been chatting out for 45 minutes. It seems like we've been talking for only a couple minutes, but Dominic, how, how can people contact you or if they're interested in the coaching mm-hmm. or just want to connect with you? I mean, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. I think in my journey personally as an entrepreneur, I've been at it for decade and a half and you know, guys like you don't pop up all the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what you've been able to do is, is a huge, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm, it's, it's really, it, it's, it's great. To to know people like you, so if people have questions or comments or want to explore actually becoming a you know a coach. How, what's the easiest way for them to connect with you? Well, first, I mean, thank you,
1: Wes. I appreciate the compliment. Okay. I really do because I think I lose sight of. I, to me, it's just normal. That's just what we're going to do today, right? But it's I, I lose sight of that. Um, you know, I'm easy to find. If you if you can't find me, you ain't looking, is what I like to say. <laughs> so find me on LinkedIn. You know, Dominic Rubino, spelled just like you think an Italian guy spells his name. Uh, I'm not the college wrestler kid, definitely not that guy. But uh, I'm I'm the other Dominic Rubino. and then I've got the two podcasts, right? One's called Profit yeah. Tool Belt, and the other one is Cabinet Maker Profit System. Uh, I've got articles on Forbes magazine, like you can find me in a couple of different places, but just LinkedIn's probably a good start.
0: That's great. We'll add all that in the show notes. What's these? Is it like Apple Podcast or YouTube or what's yeah, the Yeah, any
1: anywhere you get them, and anywhere. on YouTube.
0: Yeah. I need to, to do them. a
1: better job on YouTube. We've got uh, we've got some serious plans for 2024 on YouTube, but um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on all those platforms.
0: Well, Dominic, thank you so much for coming on. I learned a ton today yeah. about you and just your successful entrepreneurial journey. So thank you so much for sharing.
1: Yeah. Let me plug you too, because you were on my show. You were on the Profit Toolbelt podcast, and we talked about if there's a market shift with the economy, what do I need to do from a marketing perspective? So if anybody wants to listen to Wes instead of me, Hey. you should hear him there.
0: Not as cool but you know yeah cooler. But hey well thank you so if you to the audience if you learned something today, please tell us something about this podcast. Again, thank you Dominic. This has been another episode of Entrepreneur Intel. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Entrepreneur Intel. Thank you for joining us. For show notes for other episodes, please visit us at entrepreneurintel.com. until next time.